0: Welcome to Ventures in Odyssey. I'm Emily and I'm Tatiana. Every week we relisten to an episode of Adventures in Odyssey then sit down to recap and discuss. We are going in album order and this week we are in album five episode three an encounter with Mrs. Hooper. An encounter
1: this is the episode, guys. Yeah. The one we've been waiting for. It is. It's it's good by itself, but it also serves as a character introduction that we've been looking forward to.
0: I was gonna say I thought this character was in much more of this episode than they are. Mm, mm-mm. <laughs> I wholly think that this is because of reading the novelization. <laughs> anyway, shall we? We will get to this character very swiftly. But we are starting with a church group who is on a bus led by Mr. Whitaker and they are coming this evening, I think, to a, Mm. like an old folks home, a community. Mm -hmm. Chris, I feel like she didn't even say,
1: but maybe she did and I missed it, but she does say that Donna is in for more than a great time. She's like, they're all in for a great time, but Donna is in for more than that. I forgot about that line. It's, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to say about the experience that Donna is about to have. I don't know. That's why I wrote it down. Because I was like, hmm, hmm. There's one way to put it, Chris. More than great or adjacent to great? Adjacent to a great time. Donna is about to have a time. She's about to have an encounter. But the thing is, this episode isn't really about an encounter. I don't know. Maybe no. this is the first encounter is the the encounter. But
0: I feel like, it continues. I don't know. I feel like this episode should have had a less descriptive title and something more like how to make fried green tomatoes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's kind of like driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Is that the name of that thing? I don't know.
1: I wrote down one other thing, which is that as Wit is getting the kids ready to get off the bus to talk to the old folks, uh, he's like, now remember, this is an old folks home and not a mortuary. <laughs>
0: Wait, do you really have to clarify this? That they're not dead yet?
1: Don't, yeah, just remember, kids, they're not dead. I mean,
0: we're not dead yet. We're not dead yet, said the folks in the home. I don't know why. I don't know. He he feels the need to clarify yet that these are real people with real feelings who just want companionship. Yes.
1: That I feel like is a worthy clarification. I don't know. Just to, to remind kids. I don't know. I remember maybe, maybe we'll talk about it later, but like, I don't know. How do you feel around old folks? Just like a general temperature gauge of like comfort level because some people have like very high comfort very low comfort with certain groups of people
0: um it depends for me on the person kind of like with all people Mm -hmm. in general but like There is sort of this factor that comes into play when you're around older people where it's just kind of a constant reminder of your own mortality, Mm -hmm. and I think that's where a lot of people's discomfort comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, there's also a sense of, like, speaking with my grandmother, for instance, There's this cultural disconnect that happens because we are from different generations. And I think more so Mm -hmm. nowadays than maybe before the turn of the century, Mm -hmm. because we have like fundamentally different life experiences and we speak past each other oftentimes, unless we can find like an anchoring topic that's like, yes, this hasn't changed. Like we can both talk about sewing Mm -hmm. and that's something that we have in common, but otherwise... It's harder to relate with someone who has a lot of life experience that you don't have. Just a lot in general, but also a lot that is something you will never experience. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the calling it like a
1: cultural disconnect. There's like a cultural gap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because I think, yeah, part of the factor for me is the... I don't know if it's like so much the mortality as it is like I don't want to like hurt them because they can seem fragile.
0: Like the same issue as with handling a baby.
1: Yeah, don't hold don't hand me a baby ever. <laughs> <laughs> it frightens me. And yeah, the the factor of I don't know, just the the body slowing down and different things Happening, Yeah, I guess it is kind of like a reminder, not just of mortality, but also just of like, I don't know, all physical discomfort Mm -hmm. can make one uncomfortable. Dementia also can be uncomfortable because you're like, I don't know how to respond to words and sentences that don't make sense. And it's like, I'm just I'm I'm reflecting back on like childhood experiences of visiting old folks homes. And I feel like my discomfort, it did also come from just, like, social, socially not knowing, like, how do I talk to somebody who I just don't know? And I am here specifically to talk to them, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if they want to be talked to. I remember having a conversation with uh, an older guy who just asked, like have you ever been to Jacksonville? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, have you ever been to this place? And he just kept asking different cities and that I had never been to. And that was our conversation. So I feel like it's like on both sides, like, you You're know, people in establish. an old folks home. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're like, oh boy, here I am rearing to
0: talk to people. And a great conversationalist. It's like they're in the same boat of like, we have such a <laughs> cultural disconnect and I'm not quite sure how to talk to you because you don't have the same life experiences that I do. Yeah,
1: I totally imagine now putting my shoes, putting my shoes in the shoes, putting myself in the shoes of somebody in that position is like, you know, I live in this retired old folks home where I need some amount of care physically or mentally and um oh my gosh how do I talk to an eight-year-old
0: I would not know it's like I need to establish common ground uh uh have you ever been here before <laughs> yep how about here uh, yeah I know it was a good conversation it's like I've
1: traveled a lot I'm sure you've been to one of these <laughs> I feel like I asked him if he had and he
0: had not been to those
1: <gasps> places also oh
0: no which makes it even better <laughs> He just wants to know that you were a well-traveled 8-year-old. I should
1: have I should have told him where I had been. Yeah. I think I'm a much better conversationalist now than I was when I was a kid. Oh man. Oh, funny reminiscing. I feel like the discussion questions for this episode might ask us for experience
0: on these fronts, but, Mm -hmm. um. I mean, the extent of my experience in visiting old folks home is when we would play, like, piano recitals at Mm -hmm, them. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for me, they are universally, like, not fun memories just because Mm -hmm. I had terrible stage fright. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think I was, like, I was too nervous to talk to anyone. Hmm. I understand that. But this is a visit where they are going there to talk.
1: Yeah, they're literally just going there to visit, which I feel like is harder than going there like with some other kind of pretense,
0: mm-hmm. like with an activity mm-hmm. or putting on a production or mm-hmm. what have you.
1: But they're gonna do it. That they're as I think we already mentioned, part of a church group is just doing this. I thought it was gonna be like youth group or something. I think it just said church group. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know, worth reiterating that these people are absolutely people and with lives and feelings and thoughts. And even if it is hard to connect to them, I feel like I recognize that better now than Mm -hmm. I did when I was a kid. And it just felt like a scary, difficult thing to have to do. Maybe I should go visit an
0: old folks home is what I'm saying. (laughs) Once the pandemic ends. Yeah. Once the, oh my gosh. (laughs) When it's safe. When it's safe to
1: do that. But also, I'm, like, almost 30. Am I interesting? <laughs> do old
0: people want to see me? you done interesting things. You lived in Australia, It just and... seems
1: very presumptuous of me to be like, would you like my company? <laughs> okay, so the kids commence... Sharing, like, oh, who did you get? Who did you get? And Donna comes up to Lucy and asks, like, oh, who are you visiting? And Lucy is talking to somebody named Mr. Morton who
0: has fought in both world wars. Is there anyone even still alive today who could have done that at this Mm -hmm. point? I want to say no, but I'm not 100% positive. Cause the first world war was in the nineteen teens. Nineteen teens. We
1: don't have any World War One veterans, do no, we?
0: No, I don't think we do. I think just World War II veterans. This is not now. This is
1: then. Mm-hmm. And he's got he has a lot of stories and interesting stuff. And uh, Donna is not super excited about the whole thing. She's Mm-mm. just she's expresses like a general discomfort with the people that they're visiting. Just being too old. Yeah. Which, I don't know, maybe gets at, like, the discomfort that we were talking about, the cultural disconnect, the general, like, hesitancy, not knowing how to interact with their, like, physical and mental well-being in question. hmm And uh, Lucy's like, well, who do you get? Oh, she got Mrs. Hooper. Oh. oh. Lucy has an extremely mature response of just like oh and clearly feeling a certain way about it but not expressing the full extent of what
0: Donna is in for yeah at which point she's like well I shouldn't say anything and mm-hmm. Donna <laughs> responds well if you shouldn't say anything then you should say something yeah
1: it's a good point like wait a minute that that is a phrase that is loaded with meaning and Lucy says well I'm sure she's nice deep down Deep down. Deep down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, Mm. of course, implying that she is not nice on the surface. Nope.
0: Or even below the surface. (laughs) And the farthest Lucy will go is saying she's just difficult, but like, it might have just been me. Mm -hmm. Also, don't touch her flowers and plants.
1: Also, Lucy is a ray of sunshine, so I'm sure it wasn't just Lucy.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm I feel sure. like
1: Donna also probably gathers that. Mm-hmm. Lucy being like, oh, maybe it was just me. And it's like, Lucy, it's not just you. <laughs> it's never <enough or> just <laughs> you. You're not the problem in any equation. <laughs> nope. But yeah, don't touch her flowers and plants. The warning. Let it be known. Um, and as Donna is being like, what do you mean don't touch her flowers and plants? Which, like, side note, is a weird question to ask because that's a really straightforward thing to say. Yeah, just don't touch them. It means just don't touch her flowers and plants. (laughs) It means she's sensitive about people touching them and don't touch them. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it's like a dialogue trope when somebody is like, oh, and by the way, a warning. And then the person is like, wait, a warning.
0: Why are you warning me about this? Yeah,
1: but it is weird in this instance because the warning is
0: so clear. I guess what the warning implies is what she's trying to get at, though, because Donna's Mm -hmm. like, wait, what do you mean, like, why shouldn't I do it?
1: Mm-hmm. Because she'll be mad? Yeah, she'll be mad. But, like, how will she be mad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, tell me what will happen to me.
0: Exactly. Uh, I want tell, the
1: details. Tell me what's happened to people in the past who have been in my <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Prepare me, please. So as Donna is wondering this, we're introduced, at long last, to our boy. Donna Barkley! Over here, squirt! Huh? Oh, hi, Richard. What you doing? We've had a boy before. (laughs) Who is Eugene, of course. This is our other boy. This is maybe a, a millennial way of just referring to characters that are near and dear to our hearts.
0: He starts out so terrible.
1: Yeah, he does. Okay, so uh, talk about your experience with listening to Odyssey with me a few years ago.
0: Oh, yes. In which
1: you had not heard a large portion of the first 50 albums, and you had never encountered this character, who, shall we say, is Richard Maxwell.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Brother to Rachel. Mm-hmm. Who was Donna's friend. From the episode Bad Company, you may recall. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Last album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, when we first listened through Odyssey
1: from beginning to end, albums one through 50, and when this episode came along, and I was like, oh boy, here he is. It's my boy. And Emily, what was your feeling?
0: I was like, why do you care about this person? This is like a one-off little bit role in a weird little episode that has no, like, connection with the rest of Odyssey. Why? Why do you care? <laughs> why?
1: Why do I care?
2: Out visiting with a church group?
1: <laughs> yes, Richard. Audience might wonder the same thing if you haven't listened to the rest of Odyssey, which we always like to point out that you're you're making a weird choice by listening to our podcast. It we, is a weird choice. We yes. welcome you and we're glad that you're here, but also you're, you've are you chosen a strange way to experience Odyssey. But maybe you like it this way. Maybe you like hearing two people's emotional responses to the things that are going on. Let Let this be, like, I don't know, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing of the fact that this character is going to be
0: so much more important <laughs> than he is right now. It becomes increasingly more difficult not to talk about future episodes, let I me just say. oh Okay, well, we haven't even said what happens in this episode I know with this character,
1: so... He's here. He, he is here. I actually wrote down that exact same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> he is here. Um, How would you characterize Richard in this scene?
0: He's like the stereotypical big brother of kind of, of character of the friend. Yeah. Like, the way that I imagine if I had a big brother would... to like my friends
2: Mm
0: -hmm. or I should say the way I imagine my little brother if he were older than me would you know actually he does this (laughs) anyways he yes he is very much like the I don't know pesky I guess Uh
1: uh-huh but not like I don't know not annoying like he is doing it very deliberately
0: calls her squirt yeah she's 12 Mm mm-hmm I'm like how much older are you than her sir or boy. <laughs> Sir or child.
1: <laughs> somewhere in between those teenagers. Yeah, I don't know. He's like, he, he comes across as kind of like a cool jerk. Is yeah. maybe how I would describe him. And uh, Donna is like, ugh, you. Older brother of my friend. I roll. He thinks he's being
0: cool. hmm Yeah. And he's also like, hey, where's Rachel? Yeah,
2: and where's my little sister? Wherever you go, she's usually around somewhere. Rachel? Yeah, well, what, do I have another little sister you hang
0: out with? No, I haven't seen her in a while. We don't really, um... She hangs out with another group of kids.
1: Oh, I get it.
0: He's surprisingly understanding.
1: Yeah, I wonder if he kind of... Knows what their dynamic is. Like, he knows that his little sister is a troublemaker and that Donna is very straight laced, Mm -hmm. which probably made it weird that they were hanging out so much in the first place. But yeah, he like immediately is like, okay, yeah, I know, I get it. And he wants to know who Donna is here for. And she says, Room 754. Did you say 754? Yes.
2: Mary Hooper. Ooh, wee. What are you visiting her for?
1: Uh oh, Spaghetti O. Uh Not a direct quote. <laughs> she don't want friends. What I wouldn't give to hear Richard Maxwell say uh "Oh, Spaghetti-O. But yeah, yeah, no. She she don't want friends. She's a mean lady.
0: And Donna's like very adamant that she's going to try. And he's like, "Well, you can try." Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he uh, he shows her to the room, and
1: then uh, says,
2: "Well, do I get a kiss? Good night."
1: Ah. And do not like, get lost, Richard. And uh, he gives her the warning once again. Oh, yeah, by the way, don't touch your flowers and
0: plants. Why does everyone keep saying that? And now I'm gone from this episode. Goodbye. And that was the point where I was like, and then he
1: comes back later, right? I also, like, in the back of my mind was like, don't we see more of him? But absolutely not. No, he's gone. He was there and gone. Do we want to say anything about Kiss Goodnight? <laughs> <laughs> Will it be weird if we talk about it or weird if we don't talk about it?
0: Oh, mm. well, we can talk about it. And if it's weird, we can cut it. That's our motto. <laughs> if it's weird, we can cut it. Yep. <laughs> if it's weird, we can keep it. Oh, more our motto. Some better motto. What do we, where even begin? I feel like. This is one
1: of those things that feels very much to me like a cultural moment. Like it feels oh so 80s. I don't know. It feels like the kind of thing that would be like in an 80s movie. That's why it strikes me as like such an annoying big brother of the friend kind of thing to do. Or it's like you hesitate to call something like that harmless just because it's like leaning on bad territory. Mm Mhm. It's walking the line there. You know what this reminds me of? This is like the Baby It's Cold Outside discourse.
0: So if you're not familiar, Baby It's Cold Outside has gotten a lot of flack over the years for having the kind of language that feels like it just feels coercive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it
1: feels yeah, it feels um like the kind of talk and behavior that should not be romanticized. Like it feels skeezy. Yeah. Because it's like a, a guy saying, like, you know, trying to persuade a woman to stay at his house
0: despite the fact that she wants to leave.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, yeah, like when you describe it that way, it sounds really bad. But that's only one reading of it. And that's the modern take, because mm-hmm. I think in our context, our current cultural context, if someone was doing that, that is what would be going on. Yeah, that would be a skeezy thing.
1: Then there's a second layer to it. Which is that when that song was written, probably in the 40s, uh, yeah. it might be the 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s, some, something like that. I don't know when it was written, but back when it was being sung, the cultural context was one in which that format of dialogue between a man and a woman was romantic because there was a cultural expectation for the woman to protest And so there's, like, a different script that you're following. Cultural scripts are, like, things that we all know how to follow, like, when you go to the grocery store and they say, paper or plastic, and you say, paper, please, and they say, how was your day, and you say, my day was fine, like, this is a script that we all kind of absorb culturally. So there's like a cultural script going on in Baby It's Cold Outside in which the man says, oh, you should stay for these reasons. And the woman says, no, I shouldn't stay for these reasons. And it goes back and forth. And it is a romantic script.
0: One in which the woman is supposed to be absolved of, like, responsibility. Yeah. Specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's supposed to take that burden off of her.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, that's like the second layer of it that is like, you know, the song wasn't problematic in its day, but then you got to go another layer deeper, mm-hmm. which is saying the culture at the time that created that script had its own issues in which a woman expressing herself directly and saying, no, I don't want to do this. Maybe it's not good for that to have a double meaning. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, it might be good for your meaning to say like, no, I don't want to stay in your house. Should probably mean, no, I don't want to stay in your house. And that's kind of where the culture has landed today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's a good thing that now people would say like your yes means yes. And your no means no. It's very biblical. Very biblical. So yeah, I think that that's a good thing in a context like consent in which
0: the stakes are high. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yeah, the stakes are not as high in this particular scenario because Mm -hmm. we don't actually think that Richard is expecting a kiss goodnight from Donna. No. But I feel like there's parallels in which this is like a
1: bit of a cultural script of like, I'm your friend's brother, so it is my job to pester you. And one way in which it's like culturally appropriate to do that is, you know, by saying give me a kiss goodnight, even though I don't want one or expect one from you. It's like playing a role, but it's a role that like today's society would probably say, maybe don't do that. Don't say those kinds of things to people. It's become important to say what you mean and mean what you say in context when it comes to like physical affection. Mm -hmm. We say that that's like a good way to put it. Yeah. And yeah. So anyway,
0: that's the discourse on (laughs) what, no kiss goodnight? (laughs) Uh, that line, however, is very in character for Richard, as we are going to see throughout Here. the rest of his arc. What do you mean? Problematicness?
1: In that he is entirely <laughs> problematic. Oh, he's a problematic fave. <laughs> yes. And I love it. Okay, it's, it's getting harder not to talk about the future. Yep. We gotta move on then. We're moving on. Don't touch the flowers and plants. And, uh, yeah, there there it is again. You know, it's it's a trope that the warning is repeated. This is a very trope-heavy episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is. And, uh, knock-knock on the door. Who is it? It's Mary Hooper
0: opening the door. She's, uh, immediately launching into her whole diatribe of... Like, what do you want? What are you doing here? Don't you see my plants
1: hanging their heads like vultures? Mm-hmm. I'm watering them. I'm busy. Leave. I wrote down that she's actually kind of fun. She's like, she's fun to listen to.
0: She's the, she reminds me of like other tropes of crabby old people who end up having children around them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think whether you know or do not know how this episode goes, I feel like it is clear in this opening scene that she does want company, even though she is being like, ah, get away. See, just, like, baby, it's cold outside. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes back. You gotta say one thing and mean another. Mean the opposite. Hmm.
0: Methinks she doth protest too much.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, but, I don't know, you can almost hear in her voice, which, like, credit to the acting, but it's, like, you kind of hear in her voice this sort of, like, sidelong glance after she's, like, you know, get out of here, I'm watering my plants, I'm busy, meh, meh, meh all of that. Like, at the end of that, you can, like, sense her sort of, like, looking at Donna to see if Donna's really gonna leave or
0: not. She's doing her best to scare her off, but, like, this reminds me of something I've seen, like, an anime, <laughs> actually. <laughs> <laughs> anime trope? Uh, not so much an anime trope, it was a Ghibli film, actually, mm. in which the character, she becomes very self-sabotaging in all of her relationships, mm-hmm. and this kind of reminds me of that In that, like, as soon as anything starts to go well with people, she lashes out at them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in response because she's like, no, you're not treating me the way I expect to be treated Mm -hmm. right now. But there's kind of this implicit feeling of, no, I want you to come after me because that means, like, no matter what, you won't leave me, even if things go badly. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make it as bad as it can possibly be so I will know, like, who my real Mm -hmm. friends are.
1: There's also an element of self-sabotage that is, like, a control issue because people have been, like, their life has not gone well. And it's due to circumstances outside of their control. They can feel like, well, everything is going to go badly anyway, so I might as well make it happen Mm -hmm. because it is less anxiety inducing to feel like, "Uh uh-oh, things are going good. That means it's going to be bad. And that tension can be kind of unbearable. So they're like, I better make it bad quick. Yeah, I feel like there's there's like a a lot of things going on with this lady. Mm -hmm. All of the above. But Donna is immediately curious about her flowers and plants and, like, everything that she has going on. And I like that one of the first things that Mrs. Hooper asks her is, like, do you care? And Donna's like, yeah, I care. And she's like, do you really? And Donna's like, I mean, kind of. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, that's
0: what I thought. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, I don't know, but that's part of why I like Mrs. Hooper is, like, she's quite honest in a way. I don't know. She, well, we just said, like, she's doing a lot of smoke screening Mm -hmm. and hiding her true feelings, but at the same time, like, she is inviting, like, real conversation or, like, I don't know. She's getting at the
0: truth. She's pointing out something about Donna. She also has this to say, which is that if I were young, you wouldn't catch me around a bunch of senile old bedbugs. (laughs) the great line um uh, a
1: line that i wrote down from her is i take visitors in my home this isn't my home because i feel like that is the first time i noticed that line i don't think i noticed it ever before because it was like oh you take visitors in another context because it seems to me like you're the kind of person who is like this but i don't know It, I don't know, it's just why it surprised me. Um, but yeah, so from that we learned that her family came and dumped her in here because she's been a burden to them, etc., cetera, et cetera. And that she's too old and too difficult.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Saying things like that, it's kind of rough because just like Donna, like, do you care? Not really. Is Mrs. Hooper a burden? Is she difficult? probably. There's, like, some difficult truths going on, I think, in this scene that, uh,
0: I don't know, is, is kind of tough. I know, it's, like, there's this question of, like, how responsible are we to, like, shoulder the burden of other people's emotional distress? Like, in what circumstances is that required of us Mm -hmm. oh man that's a really good question for the end of the episode because i think we'll
1: have more context to be able to talk about it yeah yeah this story is gonna prompt some cool questions i think Everything kind of is, it's actually honestly kind of going fine. They're having like a a real back and forth. But uh, what gets to Donna is Mrs. Hooper saying, oh, they beat me with rubber hoses at night. You know, it's bad here. And Donna's like, it can't be that bad. And she's like, oh, yeah, it is. Do you want to see my bruises? Donna's like, no, I don't believe you. They don't do that. And Mrs. Hooper is like, yes, they do. Come here. I'll show you my bruises.
0: And Donna's like, no. Yeah, kind of freaking out. I mean, I'd freak out if someone tried to show me their scars from something when I didn't want to see them.
1: This honestly makes me as uncomfortable, if not more so, than the kiss goodnight kind of thing. Yeah. Because I feel like at least with the kiss goodnight line that follows a script that I can understand, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, you're a teenage boy being annoying, but like a person being like, come here so that I may show you my physical injuries. (laughs) I
0: don't know. And of course, as soon as she runs out, Mr. Whitaker comes in and Mrs. Hooper just has this to say that kids are not dependable mm-hmm. these days. I
1: find it funny. We kind of can tell that she and Wit have a little bit of a rapport too because he scolds her.
0: Yeah. Like Mary. <laughs> Stop scaring off my young church
1: kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he's disappointed in her too. Like, oh, Mary, like, ugh, why did you do it this way again? And yeah, but she she's laughing though.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which is funny. She's like, "You, my fellow old person, come and join me on this joke." <laughs> oh man,
1: let's see. That's our first scene transition, I think. Because yep. next, I think they're back in Wits End, like the next day or something.
0: And Donna's trying to talk to Lucy about Miss Super and how terrible it was. Mm-hmm. And Lucy doesn't want to say anything bad about her. I know, it's so precious sweet. Little soul. Mm hmm. Mr.
1: Whitaker also comes in to join their conversation, and he points out this episode kind of does this thing where it shows you how the characters are, like, interacting with one another. Like, it shows us what Mary Hooper's character is like. And then they also, like, tell us on top of that things that I think. You can extrapolate just by listening to her, but then the episode goes the step further by wit, like, let me explain to you the character of Mrs. Hooper and what is going on with her. Like, I think she's lonely, actually. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine that, a person who's trying to push everybody away. Yeah, so he he basically says, yeah, deep down, she's lonely. I think she's heartbroken. And Donna is like, Why? And uh he does not know. It is hard to know because she won't talk to anybody about it. Nobody knows why she is heartbroken or what her deal is.
0: But Wit has a plan. He has a scheme. This he has is a Mr. Whitaker's scheme. Mr. Whitaker's scheme. Totally. He wants Donna to bring this mixture that he's created for her plants to mm-hmm. help them thrive better in her room. Mm-hmm. And he gives her the instructions on how to administer it, just a little bit at the base of the plant in the soil.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's like, I want you to deliver this, Donna. Yeah, you, Donna. You. And Donna is
1: like, no, i me. And he's like, please, you, please. And she's like, oh. It's the kind of please that is like, I'm not asking, I'm telling. <laughs> yeah. Like, you kind of have a choice, but not really. <laughs> I wrote down Greenhouse. Because we talk about the greenhouse part of Wits End sometimes. It, like, is never in episodes. It's always in illustrations. But, yeah, I was like, maybe this is greenhouse related.
0: He developed it in that greenhouse. He did. On his own plants. Definitely. Um. But Donna, yeah,
1: Donna agrees. And so she she gets there and um, Mrs. Hooper is really upset and bedridden. And being her cantankerous self. She thought that Donna was an orderly at first. Mm-hmm. and She's like, why are you here? I wanted an orderly. Go get me an orderly. <laughs> her um, her oh. flowers look like they need help. That's right. Her plants are dying and she mm-hmm. can't get up to water them. Yes, because she is bedridden and the doctor has just been there poking her and prodding her and whatever. And Donna is like, okay, well, I will, I, if you want me to, I will water them. I have this mixture for them from Mr. Whitaker. Who, um, knows something about plants, it surprises Mrs. Hooper. Donna's like, he knows about everything. She's like, No one knows about everything. Mm-hmm. Which comes pretty true, close. But yeah. <laughs> some people, like Mr. Whitaker, they kinda do. Um, but yeah, so she starts giving the plants the plant food and Mrs. Hooper does the like, I don't know sullen child sort of thing where it's like I guess you can do it fine I guess it won't
0: hurt like I can't stop
1: you yeah yeah it was pretty like I can't
0: stop you (laughs) literally stuck in bed Donna names her favorite flower and she didn't know the name of the flower yeah and I think that's their point of connection when she realizes Donna knows about plants yeah I thought that was really nice
1: that was like the first time that Mrs. Hooper seems like genuinely curious and surprised by Donna. And I was surprised because Donna starts giving her some plant advice. Like, she does it really well by being like, I'm not an expert or anything, but I was thinking, I wonder if maybe your plants would be happier over there by the window where they can get some light away from this air vent. And like, as nice and innocuous as that was, the way that she introduced that advice, I was thinking like, people will be very very touchy about things like plants
2: Mm -hmm. you know
1: especially somebody like mrs hooper i don't know i just thought that it seemed like i mean giving people advice in general can be touchy but then especially about like the way that you care for a living thing yeah kind of like how people can get touchy about parenting advice but like scaled way 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 down but still
0: the plants are still your baby your
1: baby plants but yeah i so i was
0: very surprised that mrs hooper takes it super well also the fact that she was receiving this particular advice made me think she doesn't really understand how to take care of plants does she
1: yeah that's kind of our first clue that something is like not 100 percent right with her I mean, besides her attitude, <laughs> she is, I think she is kind of experiencing some cognitive symptoms Yeah. of, um, of what we will find out. I think the scene is like a soft transition to Donna helping her walk around the room. I couldn't tell if this was the same day or not. Did you pick up on uh, that?
0: I think it's a different day. It, it feels implied that this has been like a multi-day relationship developing. Yeah, it does. And the fact that she went from not being able to get out of bed at all to four laps around the room Mm -hmm. also makes me think this Mm -hmm. is a different day.
1: Yeah. Donna is basically coaching her like, come on, just a few more steps and
0: helps her back into bed. It is very difficult, let me tell you, to get someone who is needing that kind of physical therapy to Mm -hmm. do it. (laughs) They are like that. Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, Yeah. Because she, um, something is wrong with her hip, I guess we gather. She says something funny, which is you should work for a health spa or a concentration camp.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yikes. Yikes, indeed. Uh, yeah. So she's like, I don't know what's wrong with my hip. The doctors, they, they say I broke it. But she doesn't remember breaking it. Yeah, quote unquote, it. they say I broke it. It's such an extreme thing to have happened in your life to not remember. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, like, our other clue that it's, like, whoa, okay, there's been some kind of major trauma, which she tells Donna what it is. Yeah. It is that her husband passed away.
0: Eight months ago.
1: Only eight months ago. That's so recent. Mm-hmm. And Donna asks about the photo that she has of him. This is, I guess there's a photograph of her husband, and Donna's like, I've been wondering about him and wondering if he's as nice as he looks. Mm. She's like, oh, he was nicer. Oh, it's really sweet. And it's strange. I don't know. Is it sometimes, like, the super nice person marries somebody who has, like, a really cantankerous side to them? Opposites attract? Opposites attract. I don't know. It seems like also maybe this, like, grief and trauma has brought something out of Mrs. Hooper. Maybe some, like, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about, like, the psychoanalysis of this
0: character. <laughs> like, she might be a stern person, like, mm-hmm. on a regular basis, but... She's become, like, extremely cantankerous because of this mm-hmm. event.
1: What it feels to me also, the f- the way that she's behaving, being very childish, is that maybe she's reverting to some patterns of, like, her nuclear family growing up, mm-hmm. family of origin, stuff that maybe was, like, different in her married life. And then without her husband, she's, like, reverted back to an earlier way of behaving and coping. I don't know. That's just kind of what it made me think of. Could be. When... Said that she has a super nice husband. And, uh, yeah, she says to Donna, like, oh, but you couldn't understand. But what do we know about Donna, guys? Mm, what
0: do we know? What do we remember? What do we remember?
1: Donna. The, the saddest episode of Odyssey, maybe to date, maybe ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Donna has also lost someone very mm-hmm. close to her. Yeah, her
1: own age, her best friend. And, yeah, so she she tells Mrs. Hooper about that. And uh, I like what Mrs. Hooper has to say about it, which is what a terrible age to lose somebody. Actually, any age is a terrible age. And yeah, I feel like that's true. I feel like I don't know what it's like really actually to lose somebody really close to you like that, like a husband or a best friend. Mm hmm. But I feel like there's almost like a sense of like when somebody is old, it's like you expect to, to lose people or you expect old people to have lost people close to them. And so like that expectation makes it seem like, oh, it must not be so bad. I don't know. Maybe that's just my way of coping with that kind of tragedy is being like, oh, it's not that bad for them.
0: <laughs> I think there is something that happens over time where our brain is really good at forgetting trauma. That's true. That's true. And maybe you get more
1: practiced at grief, but at the same time, I think it's also just incredibly difficult and maybe I'm just, maybe I just don't have a lot of exposure to that in my life.
0: Yeah, it's like the closest people I've lost to me are older family members. Mm-hmm. And even then, I was fairly young when I lost my uncle, which was the first death I ever experienced in my family. Mm-hmm. And then my grandfather was the second one, and that one was really difficult for me, even though we hadn't really seen that side of the family for a few years mm-hmm. at that point. I spent a lot of time in the summers, like, with them, and they would come out and watch us when my parents went on vacation and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I remembered I had a lot of good memories with him, but it wasn't like someone who was present in every day of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: think when an older person passes away, I think there's like a narrative expectation as well because like we kind of make sense of our lives through stories and it's like you grow up and you get old and then you die. And so it's like if an older person passes away, we kind of have a we have a narrative way of making sense of that. It's like, oh yeah, that happens. You get old and then you die. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. So that makes it a little bit easier. It fits. That story makes it easier. Yeah, it fits our story of the world. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate... Mary Hooper pointing out, at any age, it's bad to lose a person.
0: Grief never gets easy. No.
1: And Donna asks her, do you feel like, are you really sad about it? Do you feel really bad? And Mary Hooper turns on a dime and is like, no, I don't feel bad. I don't
0: reminisce about the past and I don't cry. There's no use in talking about the past. It's pointless. Mm-hmm. And Donna is, like, trying real hard to get her to open back up. But... Yeah,
1: because she just, like, suddenly closed
0: up. Um, but, yeah,
1: I think it, we, we're feeling the, uh, oh, things are going really well. I'm being able to talk about my grief to somebody who actually can understand. Because mm-hmm. Donna opened up about her own grief. Like, it's so difficult. You know, I like to think about Karen. And it's so hard because nobody else knows what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Is it like that for you? And that's when Mrs. Hooper is like, no. <laughs>
0: no, it's not.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she has, like, the perfect opportunity, so she's self-sabotaging again by closing up. And I think she, she reopens the door by saying, I don't have anybody to talk to anyway. Donna's like, you have lots of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's doing that whole, like, sidelong glance at Donna. Like, there's nobody here for me. Nobody here for me. Mrs. Hooper, Donna just offered. <laughs> Donna, Donna literally just asked literally. Me to talk about it. But yeah, Donna is like, you do have, like, you have family. Like, uh, you know, I, I heard that you have a daughter. And um, we gather now that she has a broken relationship with her daughter.
0: They don't get along. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Hooper does not understand why. Donna very gently points out, well, maybe she's like I was when I first came here. Maybe she's afraid of
1: you. Mm -hmm.
0: And Mrs. Hooper
1: is like, don't be
0: ridiculous.
1: But also, like, I was surprised at how well this conversation went once again. Just like the advice thing, like telling people, like, maybe your relationship with your child.
0: Maybe it's because of you. (laughs) Maybe it's because
1: of you. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like such a deeply, deeply personal thing. But maybe it's because Donna is a kid who doesn't know her that well. Mm -hmm. When it comes from somebody like that, maybe can be heard more easily. Which is the point of this episode, in fact. Kind of, yeah. But I I don't know. I just feel like family situations and family relationships like that can be so incredibly complicated. And so I was just like, oh man, Donna tread lightly. Mm-hmm. But it just, it goes well. And I'm like,
0: oh,
1: good okay. for you, I'm glad.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, and then we have another soft scene transition mm-hmm. into Wit's office. Yes, where
1: Wit is hanging up with an operator and- uh, I was like, operator? Yeah, you know, I was like, whoa, operator. <laughs> uh, I guess he has ascertained something. Uh, what I wrote down is Wit helps Donna interfere with family stuff. Because <laughs> that's what he's doing. This is Mr. Whittaker's scheme part two.
0: Never not scheming. Never
1: not scheming. Never not interfering. <laughs> um. At which point Donna makes a phone call to a Barbara Mansfield. Very
0: mysterious. I'm gonna call that number and Witt's like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. But he's pleased with her also. Very pleased. He's fully, fully into this scheme. He's like, yes, I have taught you well. <laughs>
1: This is like one of those brands of Mr. Whittaker scheme that is like leaning heavily on being a really bad idea.
0: Yeah, it's. <laughs> it is almost a very bad idea.
1: Almost. Probably is. I feel like maybe we justify it by knowing that Mr. Whitaker actually knows more about the situation than Donna does mm-hmm. and knows Mary Hooper on a somewhat personal level, despite not knowing about her husband's passing.
0: Yeah. He probably knows that she misses her daughter. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Because, as Chris says, like, what's Donna up to? Donna's calling that daughter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. That's mm -hmm. our mid-episode.
0: And we start back in at the old folks' home, and Donna is walking down the halls as orderlies pass her, telling her many warnings Mm -hmm. about Miss Hooper having a tantrum. Orderlies and old folks alike. Yep. Did I mention that this is the
1: episode of Odyssey that taught me what the word orderly means in this context? Really? <laughs> Thanks, Richard Maxwell. You taught me so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no more context for that one. No,
1: yeah, no, take that line out of context. I will endeavor to say it again as many times as possible throughout Odyssey. It'll only become more sincere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this was the point at which I actually expected Richard to show up again. yeah. Yeah, that would have made sense for him to be
1: like, Donna, you done messed up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, she's
0: just being warned by people.
1: Like, I'd stay away from Mrs. Hooper's room. And Donna is like, why? And uh, one of the orderlies just says, like, I don't know. She's just having one of those tantrums like she used to, mm. like yelling and screaming and making no sense. And it's like, uh-oh, SpaghettiO. But- we don't know why. But Donna goes in anyway. She's not scared anymore. No, and she immediately gets yelled at to go away, but she does not go away, and she sees the tragedy, which is that the flowers have died. Is it the mixture's fault? I feel like
0: yes, because we don't really find out why. No, we never find out why. It kind of bothers me now. I kept waiting for them to tell us. My only other thought is that she sabotaged them herself.
1: Yeah, that's also actually quite possible. Let's continue with the scene before we speculate more. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna's like, oh no, your flowers, they're all torn up. Maybe that's the clue. It's because it's like, she doesn't say like, oh, they all wilted and died. She says they're all torn up, mm-hmm. which is not a thing that just naturally happens to flowers. Like what
0: they do, let a cat loose in the in the room?
1: yeah. And we commence a really fun back and forth. I don't know if fun's quite the right word. It's a very high energy, very interesting... I don't know, it's meaty.
0: There's a lot going on. Yeah. Because Miss Hooper's like, why should you care? Mm -hmm.
1: And Donna has to insist, like, I do care. I wouldn't be here if I didn't care. Kind of arguing with logic and proof back and forth. You know, cutting down all of Mrs. Hooper's defenses As she's saying, like, go away. I don't want you to be here. Just run away and cry like you did on the first day. And Donna really puts her foot down and is like, I won't go. You want to be a big baby? I'll be a big baby, too.
0: You want to be stubborn? I can be stubborn, too. Mm -hmm. It's really, yeah,
1: it's a great Donna scene, I feel like, of all of the Donna scenes throughout Odyssey
2: hmm hmm
1: And she says, I won't go away. And Mrs. Hooper finally breaks and says, you won't? <laughs> she lonely. Nope. She lonely. Donna finally gets it out of her and she says, well, today is my birthday. And I know it's silly, but I just wanted somebody to know and I wanted somebody to bring me a card.
0: And Donna's like, well, I don't have a card, but I did know it was your birthday. Mm-hmm. Your gift
1: is family
0: tension. (laughs)
1: Because once again, this is like, just like given the advice about the daughter in the earlier scene, this is like, I don't know. You're messing with some dangerous and potent stuff by messing with family dynamics in this way. Mm -hmm. By like, uh, I have called your estranged daughter and arranged for her to
0: be here. Like this could go real south real fast. Yeah, it
1: really, really could. And thankfully it does not. Donna has the daughter come in and this is Barbara who she was on the phone with. And uh, there's a tearful reunion between Mary and her daughter, which best case scenario. But it could have been
0: worst case scenario. (laughs) I mean, Donna does make her promise to be nice. Yeah, first. she really does. That's true. But you, you, never <laughs> you never know if a promise like that can be kept. I mean, to be fair, Mary does like hem and haw about it. She really bit. does,
1: yeah. Both after, both with the promising and then after her daughter comes in being like, what are you doing here? Like, hmm. hmm. Borderline breaking your promise there. You said you wouldn't be mean. But yeah, she actually cries and her daughter is like, I've never seen you cry before. Yeah. Which is nice after Mary has gone on about, I don't cry. Yeah. And there's no point in tears.
0: Because her daughter says that she wanted to see her, which mm-hmm. I don't think Mary was expecting. Yeah.
1: To hear. It's a, and, and Mary, they hug and Mary says, what happened? And the daughter says, I don't know. After dad passed away, you closed up and I wanted to be there and grieve with you, but you just wouldn't. So, so I stopped trying, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Hooper says, Don't ever stop trying. That's the real feeling, right there. That's like the real core of what she's been trying this entire time. This is a slightly another instance of the both telling and showing, which is like obviously she wants people to not give up on her, mm-hmm. but I think it's kind of a nice character moment that she actually admits. I know I push you all away, but I actually really want you to keep trying. <laughs> kind of self-aware. It's sweet. And as they tearfully embrace, Donna says, Happy birthday, Mrs. Hooper. And it made me think of the time that we had a Christmas episode that ended with her dad, George Barkley, just saying, Happy birthday, Jesus. Same energy. <laughs> Same energy. I was like, oh, huh. <laughs> Is is a happy birthday episode an episode category now? Maybe. We have an everybody laughs episode. We have a wit laughs episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have an everybody but one person laughs episode.
0: A lot of laughing. And now we have a happy birthday episode. There's
1: two of them. <laughs> I feel like there isn't going to be any more like that, but if you'd asked me after the Christmas one, I would have said that this was the only happy birthday episode, so
0: anything's possible. Donna is nothing if not her father's daughter. This is true.
1: Uh, what did you make of the Chris ending where Chris quotes...
0: 8-2. 8-2. Out of the mouth of infants and babes. God established strength, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. And she
1: says, like, you know, basically the message is just because you're a kid doesn't mean that you can't help adults with their adult problems. And I never actually really listened to that message before and thought about it. It's a weird thing
0: to say. It's actually a pretty common thing to say. In kid, In m- movie, kid messages movie messages or whatever. Yeah. Kid morals?
1: hmm
0: What? Just because
1: you're a kid doesn't mean you can't help adults? I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. Help help, adults. I, I'm used to that message more in terms of, like, practical help than emotional, psychological help. Mm-hmm. Because she says you can be their friend, help keep them from feeling lonely, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And I think there is something to the fact that not having the baggage of all that life experience does allow you to see things a little bit more clearly. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't necessarily understand all the nuance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So my only other thought, uh, my only other thought about that at the end is that I don't think that Chris is saying, "Okay, kids, now go be best friends with an adult." <laughs> now, now
1: go find an adult to befriend.
0: <laughs> I think this is more just that, like, when you are in a community, mm-hmm. like, no matter what age you are, you can be helpful to other people in that community.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's got more of the, like, the, the Timothy message yeah. of, like, your your age doesn't prevent you from being part of the body of Christ. Yeah. Even though it's not said in those terms. The terms that it's said is you can be friends with adults. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I feel like you mean this in the context of exactly what Donna's experience was, which was, like, an organization
0: put you in contact with people who were lonely. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can be a friend to them in the sense of, like, offering friendship mm-hmm. and companionship that is, like, within the context of this organization.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, socially, socially appropriateness. Yeah. That, that's all implied by this message, I am sure. Shall we launch into discussion questions? Let's. Question one. How did Donna finally become friends with Mrs. Hooper? How? They bonded over their grief. They did. They bonded over their love of plants and their grief. And Donna didn't give in to Mrs. Hooper's... Scare tactics? Yes. Yes, exactly. This is reminding me a lot of a uh, video I recently saw about borderline personality disorder. Mm Mm-hmm. Which um, is a personality disorder that... It comes with a lot of different factors, but a large one of them is pushing people away or going through phases of you either push them away or you adore them, like specific people. Like you'll put somebody on a pedestal and then you'll turn on a dime. So it's not like Mrs. Hooper exactly has the same thing going on. I'm not like diagnosing her, but like patterns, some similar patterns going on and something that's really effective for um, being a friend or a family member. Of a person with borderline is not putting up with their tactics (laughs) and just, you know, putting your foot down but in a loving way, having good boundaries and saying, I don't like it when you treat me this way, but I'm not leaving you. I love you unconditionally. You don't need to do this, you know, like, because they want to be loved and they want to feel loved. And that's like an effective way of relating with them. It can be super hard, but. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of what was happening in that last scene. And Donna is like, I'm not leaving. And if you want to be a big baby, so
0: will I. <laughs> I feel like it is also important to say that there is like a limit to the emotional labor that you should do in a situation like that. That kind of comes around to what you were saying earlier about, about this very topic. Yeah. At what
1: point is it your responsibility? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like how yeah. much of it is? Yeah, how do you draw the line? And I feel like this also kind of connects to the Hands and Lafitte episode, which <laughs> what was that episode actually called? <laughs> the body, the body, I think. Um, I don't even remember. I don't know. It's an album before you can you can look it up. You'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> but um. A good sign, if you're in Donna's position specifically, that is like a, for all intents and purposes, like a disinterested party, like you're not a friend, you're not a relative, you're not actually connected to this person, but life, God, in parentheses, has orchestrated for you to be in connection with this person. Mm Mm-hmm. It does take down a little bit more encouragement from Mr. Whittaker, who is notably another believer who knows a lot about the situation and is very mature. But, like, I think that if you feel like it, that that might be an indicator. Mm -hmm. Like, the connection being that in the Hands and Lafitte episode, we talked about how your ministry or the things that god might cause you to do or like the the, your place in the body of christ a good indicator of what that might be might be like what gives you life on a personal emotional level you know like for us it's podcasting yeah (laughs) podcasting gives us life Uh, so that's, like, a good indicator that maybe it's a thing that we should be doing. And I feel like, for Donna, like, maybe it's a good indicator, the fact that she wants to keep coming back to visit Mrs. Hooper, that maybe it is a good thing for her to be involved. It's not like she had a really bad time, and then Wit had her go back, and she had a really bad time again, and then she kept going
0: out of guilt. It's like she She, went because she wanted to. Yeah.
1: After the second time, she, she kept going because she was, like wanting to continue fostering this connection with this person so I think that feeling is an indicator maybe um it's like one answer to your question
0: this also kind of reminds me of something that someone brought up during summer home group which you probably Mm. remember Mm -hmm. um, talking about how like she has no patience for people with mental mm-hmm, disabilities, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's like, I know, like, they are made by God, and they are wonderful people, and they deserve love, but it's not something that I am capable, personally, of giving them, and mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that there are people who can.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, some people, I mean, yeah, it, yeah,
1: same same exact vein, where for you, like, if you're like, I love visiting old folks' homes, and I come away feeling really refreshed and happy then that's great. Or if you have that same experience, I don't know, doing childcare or doing like any other kind of various ministry that I can think of, that's like a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good sign that that might be what the Holy Spirit is wanting you to do because the Holy Spirit is calling you into more life and thriving, which is not to say that your ministry won't ever be challenging
0: for you Mm -hmm. or that it's not good to challenge yourself sometimes. Yeah, there there will be difficult moments, but it's I feel like it's a matter of like the spirit does give you the strength to weather the difficult times. Mm -hmm. And will I think also
1: like things that are done in the right spirit of like, I know that this isn't something that is that I am good at or whatever it may be, but I'm going to do it because I think it honors God or like I'm I'm sure that it will honor God for me to go and like visit these people. Mm -hmm. then God will bless that even if it's not like you're calling to do as like a permanent ministry. That kind of, I feel like that kind of gets on like one side of the question, which is regarding people who are not in your friend family circle. Mm -hmm. And then the answer is different if it is somebody with whom you have an existing relationship.
0: Because I think you want to avoid getting into a situation where you are experiencing abuse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that is, like, the bottom line. It's like, how do you be in a relationship where you are loving them, but also one in which you are not being either taken advantage of or abused intentionally or otherwise?
0: Mm-hmm. Because that's what it sounds like what happened with Mrs. Hooper's daughter is mm-hmm. that she's like, I couldn't withstand the abuse anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably being, like, emotional, verbal mm-hmm.
1: type of abuse.
0: But, um, it's like, I love you, but like, it was just too much for me. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I guess that's such a personal thing as well. Knowing like where your boundaries are, it might serve you to like spend some time thinking about it and deciding like, this is something that I won't tolerate, whatever that thing may be. Mm -hmm. You might, you might come up with lines for yourself that you would not like to be crossed and then you have to stick to that. And express that and say, like, I cannot see you right now because I will not be treated in this way. And I will talk to you again in a week when I am ready to or something like that. Or like, I'm not ready to talk to you. I will talk to you when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Something to that effect. It could be extremely hard when that person is your close friend or family member. Mm-hmm. But I think it must be done. And I think it must be done without feelings of guilt because, I don't know, I feel like Christians, oftentimes we feel like we have to, like, doing something like that is not loving, you know? Yeah. But it is loving. You've got to be strategic and take care of yourself.
0: So that you can be present for them in ways that mm-hmm. will, like, help them. Yeah. Because, yeah, because like we saw with
1: Mrs. Hooper, it's like she, she did need to have boundaries put up against her and um and also like that person isn't your entire life there are other people in your life that you need to be present for yeah and um yeah
0: listen to the holy
1: spirit listen to the advice of other believers in your community people that you trust
0: and if you really need it listen to a therapist
1: yeah good advice that's our (laughs) adventures advice for today we're an advice column now yeah we could be though it would be really good. <laughs> we should call people to email us your problems, and we will solve them.
0: We'll be your agony aunts. Yes. You taught me what that meant this week. I learned what it meant this week. Wow.
1: it's just an advice columnist. But British. But British. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like question two, have you ever talked with a senior citizen who isn't related to you? We've kind of gone over. Mm-hmm. Why is it important to befriend elderly people? This is kind of a loaded question because it's saying it is important to befriend
0: elderly people. I think it's important to, like, make sure... That people of all stages of life have like companionship. Yeah. Because that's like kind of a basic human need. Yeah.
1: I feel like it is part of the function and like the responsibility to a certain extent of the body of Christ to make sure that all of its members are taken care of in that respect and Mm -hmm. also like people in general. I feel like that's a good interpretation of the question.
0: Yeah. This kind of comes back to a thought that I had earlier, which is like another group of people who are often like overlooked in terms of they do need conversation and companionship is homeless people Mm -hmm. because it's another community of people that we kind of tend to feel uncomfortable around Mm -hmm. because it's a reminder of like oh that could be me Mm -hmm. on the street like I could lose everything And Mm -hmm. I don't want to end up like that. Or it's also similar, similarly, like they might be experiencing mental difficulties Mm -hmm. or physical difficulties that have made it hard for them to operate in society. Mm -hmm.
1: I think also in addition, besides like elderly people, you have certain concerns, but then also with homeless people, there's like a long, long history, like social stigma Mm -hmm. that says like, oh, the reason they are homeless is because of character flaws. Which is only true for certain people and not for everybody.
0: Yeah, that's not like... I think it's
1: like not the majority.
0: Yeah, it's, they're, they're not a monolith. hmm And it's, it's like homelessness can happen to anyone and it usually happens to people who don't have a community safety net. hmm Yeah. Which is why the church is so great.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Important. Uh, let's do question three. How can you learn to get beyond people's outsides?
0: Oh man, we kind of already <laughs> talked about
1: that. We did kind of talk about that. I just thought it was such a funny way to phrase the question. Their outsides.
0: How get... do you how do you get beyond their outsides? Get into their insides. Get in. Get... Oh my God. Look.
1: There's a good look quote.
0: At, look at their liver. Look at their liver. And their stomach. Caress their kidney. <laughs> Hold their heart. <laughs> Oh no!
1: This is this is definitely not what they were trying to get at. No, not at all. I feel, but I, mean, I feel like how do you learn to get beyond people's outsides? Is Become a better a way of putting it. That yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yes, it's <laughs> a better way of phrasing it than how do you get into people's insides, <laughs> which is what you immediately <laughs> rephrased it at. Like, I first had more of a problem with the question than I do now, since you gave me the alternative. (laughs) But I also feel like there's a way to get around this problem, which is just not referring to it as people's insides and outsides.
0: How do you get past the walls that people put up? Yeah, that's a way less uh, visceral
1: way of putting it. I don't know. That's a hard question. How can you get beyond people's outsides? I think you have to develop a relationship with them first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Donna puts in the time and finds common interests. And it occurs to me also that Donna shows vulnerability. Like, she kind of makes the first step in opening up. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, man, I got to get into this person. They have so many walls up. How can I get into their walls? It's like, open up your own walls and see what happens.
0: Yeah, people are more comfortable to open up if they know that you are comfortable opening up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that helps build some trust. I think that's a great answer to that question. It's been a long time since we patted ourselves on the back for answering discussion questions well.
0: 10 out of 10. Nailed it. Nailed it. Question four.
1: Why should Christians look first at people's hearts and how can you do the same? There's a fourth question? Yeah, there's four questions. Sometimes there's a million. Look first at people's
0: hearts. Uh, develop very high emotional intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> Or, you know, listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
1: That was the how part of it. There was also the why part of it, which I guess, I mean,
0: kind of almost goes
1: without saying that, like, your heart is more so what is true about you. I don't know. Is that, is that true? I think that your heart is the part of you that... The Bible says that humans look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart And I feel like maybe there's there's wisdom there because, you know, it's like you're tempted to say like, oh, she's old, therefore I can think a bunch of things about her. Oh, she's being mean. I can think all this stuff about her. Oh, she's whatever.
0: Like the heart is a truer expression of the person you Mm -hmm. are. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think also part of looking at the heart involves like seeing a person as a person with a heart. Yeah. And not just seeing them as like an obstacle that you're encountering in your day. An encounter? An encounter. (laughs) Hey, it all comes full circle. And that's why the encounter in the title seems weird to me. Because an encounter is a thing that you have with, like, an obstacle. Or, like, an object. And less so with people. Yeah. Just, I don't think of a person as being the subject of an encounter.
0: Isn't a meet cute an encounter? I guess it
1: is, but, like, an encounter is, like, a wildlife encounter. (laughs) Seen in the wilds of Odyssey. An encounter with my future husband. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, did we answer that question? <laughs> I, th- I think we did okay. It is wise <laughs> to look at people's hearts. I mean, to see them as a person. That's all I'm trying to say. See the person as a person. Yeah. Because everybody is. And Mrs. Zuber is a person who was lonely. She had a lot going on in her life. There's a story. See the story that's
0: going on there. Oh, uh, I would say any final thoughts, but I think... We are running long. We,
1: we, we have so many thoughts about Richard that are not applicable to this
0: episode, so we're saving them up. Storing them for later. hmm Aging them in our basement. <clears throat>
1: Where they've been aging for years.
0: A fine vintage, Richard Maxwell. <laughs>
1: a fine vintage of Odyssey thoughts for, like, every character and plot arc. It's a weird metaphor now, and I'm just envisioning a wine cellar with, like, labels. And those labels are the thoughts about things. <laughs> it's like Blackguard Chronicles.
0: <laughs> That's not so much a bottle as an entire cask. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's, a- oh yeah, for sure. If you have any Richard Maxwell thoughts that you want to share with us, by all means, you don't need to hide spoilers from us. We-, we know it all. Or, you know, anything like more relevant to the episode that we actually just covered. <laughs> You're free to send those thoughts
0: to us as well. I mean, if you want to. Yeah, if you want to. We, we've thought plenty about it already. <laughs> you are not obligated by listening to this podcast to send anything, don't worry. Wait, didn't we tell them
1: that they were obligated at one point?
0: The rules can change. Yeah, the rules
1: can change, that's true. This is our podcast, we can change the rules whenever we feel like it. So this episode, it's not mandatory to send us mail, but... Next episode it might be, so listen with caution. Yeah, next episode is mandatory. Yeah, okay, actually, uh, next episode is mandatory to send us your thoughts. Uh, you can send those thoughts to podventuresandodyssey@gmail.com, at gmail.com, or you can post them on our Reddit, r slash podventuresandodyssey. For the entire world to see. Yeah, if you do it there, everyone will see it. If you email it to us, Emily and I will see it, and we will reply to you. And then you will know more of our thoughts, and we will know yours. And through those sharing of thoughts, friendship. (laughs) I was going to say, and now we have explained correspondence to you. (laughs) Oh, man. These always get so out of hand. Next week, please join us for a bite of applesauce. Here comes the plot.
0: Oh, man.
1: Get ready. We already have so many thoughts that we are ready to talk about and share with you. It's gonna be a long one. It's gonna be, so be excited. And until then, thank you for joining us on today's podventure and odyssey. Catch you later, catspaws. Bye.
0: Or I could call it an encounter with Richard Maxwell. <laughs>
1: People will expect us to talk so much more about Richard than we actually did. We, like, hardly talked about him as a character. We ended up talking a lot about a Christmas song.
0: <laughs> well, we're, how are we doing? We could... Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No. We can talk more about
1: Richard. <laughs> yeah, scrap all of this heartfelt conversation about, like, talking to old people.